friends. Welcome to the Skyline Church podcast. I'm Jonathan Middlebrooks, one of the pastors here at Skyline Church. Skyline is a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. We're committed to seeing revival in our city sparked through the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. These sermons are specific to that purpose and in the context of our unique community. We hope that it might bless you in some way. Enjoy. All right, if you want to return to your seats, that would be awesome. So glad you're here this morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm excited to share uh, with you this morning. And if you've got your Bible, I want you to open to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and then we're going to kind of introduce what we'll talk about this morning. But it says this in verse 1, if you've got your pew Bible, it's page 620. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I love that passage of scripture. It's really important because that's actually the passage of scripture that Jesus announced his messianic arrival. He stood up in the synagogue and he read this text and he told them he said in your presence today this scripture has come true i'm the lord (laughs) and i've come to do these things that i talked about that the scripture talked about here and i love that in john 20 he looks at his disciples the apostles and he's already told them he's going to leave and he said i'm going to send my helper but i love that he says as the father sent me so i send you out into the world to do this kind of of work, to go after these kind of people and to become these kind of people, for this to be our story. And um, just a little bit about our church, you know, we, we said at the beginning that we're a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, a generational community. Well, that worshiping thing started about three years ago where we just felt really called by the Lord to create a place of presence, a place where people could encounter the presence of Jesus consistently, week in, week out. And the way you do that is you spend time inviting his presence into a place through worship and prayer. And so we just committed, um, first our staff committed to worship and pray together every morning that we're together. Um, and in those first days, we would spend two to three hours every morning, Monday through Thursday, worshiping and praying together. 
that spilled over into a Wednesday night, kind of shifting our Wednesday nights to do worship and prayer in this, this room, and that's been going on a little over two years, and turns out that spilled into our Sunday mornings, so kind of what you've experienced this morning of, of passionate, expressive worship is the result of, um, you know, two and a half years of sowing into this idea that the presence of God should be the center of the body of Christ, that we should come together to meet him, and when people meet him, things change. And our heart, friends, was for revival. That's our heart. As we look around the world, and um, if you know anything about the history of Skyline, I don't know any church that's been more involved in justice work in the city, in um, trying to advocate for those at the margins, being generous. And I think after about nine years or ten years of that, we just looked around and go like, man, we are doing everything we can and nothing's changing. Like, like people's lives have been changed, like individually, like things were happening, but we're not seeing any of the large scale. We're like, Lord, we want our city turned upside down. We want to see the poor rejoice in our city. What does that look like? And the Lord just said, listen, what you're describing is revival. That's what I do. So you're, you're seeking to do something in your own power and strength, through your own leadership, through your own influence, through your own resources that only I can do and then you start reading the Bible and you realize all the places where the Lord just says, listen, your job is to do a few things. And one of those is to pray. Your job is to cry out to me. When you get desperate enough, weak enough, low enough, you'll call on my name and I will show up and do all these things that are on your heart. But it's like this thing where you have to like give up the idea as a pastor of being a visionary leader. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, I'll get the idea, I'll rally the people, I'll be smart enough, good enough, you know, all this stuff, and then we'll do it. And God's like, no, 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 it's the opposite. It's like you just keep going lower and lower and lower, weaker, weaker, weaker. You know less and you know less and you know less and you have less answers <laughs> until you get to Jesus. What's the answer? It's Jesus. His coming Either his, his ultimate coming where he comes back to restore all things and it's final or his kind of continual coming where he shows up again, pours out his spirit like he did on Pentecost. He renews and revives the church. So first we come alive and then that spills out of the church into the streets, into cities. And so we did this and turns out if you spend a lot of time in the presence of Jesus, the first person he wants to change is you. You go to Jesus hoping he changes the world and he looks you in the eyes and goes like, okay, let's start here. And what we realized quickly is like we got in the presence of Jesus a lot and he was like, hey, if you're going to spend this much time in my presence, this thing in your life has to go. It's, it's got to go. It can't stay. Where I want to take you, you can't take that stuff with you. And it could have been a sin pattern or it could be a wound. It could be a lie that was spoken over you. Whatever it is, it's this thing where where the Bible would call it sanctification. And so what I see in revivals, the first thing God does is he shows up and he wants to sanctify the body, the church. He wants to clean us up. He wants to clean us up and he wants to clean us out so that he can use us for his purpose to where we don't get in the way with our own ideas, thoughts, prejudices, all these things about how we think God should be or what he's going to do. And so uh, he started doing this in lots of people in our community who were sowing into this culture of presence and prayer and seeking him. And that led us to start looking for resources, tools, guides. How do we do this? So about a month, I don't know how long ago, a month and a half ago, um, we talked about Soul Care, which is a ministry we've launched. Jessica gave her tes testimony. We've got about 30 people doing Soul Care right now. 
And, and we just really believe this is a precursor to a giant move of the Holy Spirit. It's when a bunch of people just go to Jesus and say, I want to I get free. I want to be healed. I want to be clean. I just want to be emptied so that you can fill me up and then send me out. Right? And so we've done that. And like I said, it's been it's awesome. You can talk to the, the folks who are going through that. It's been great. Another tool that we uh, discovered was a ministry called Sozo which is just, I know you're like, Sozo, that's a weird name. It's a Greek word. It's okay. Don't be afraid. Um, and, and, and so you, you, we discovered this, and it was literally just an inner healing ministry in a, like, embedded in a prayer model. And so we had some people who just went on their own and decided, I want to go do this because I want to get free. I want to get clean. I want to get healed. And on their own uh, dime, on their own spare time, they started engaging in this process, and they started seeing major fruit in their life. And as that started to happen, they said, man, we want to see people experience this. What would it look like if our church actually engaged with this ministry? And what if, and I love this, it wasn't, hey, Jonathan, you need to go do this ministry. Skyline's got to do this. It's like, no, no, we're going to do this. We feel called. What would it look like if we could do this inside of this body? And serve the church in this way. And so it's been beautiful to watch um, people grab onto this, go through the training, pay the, pay the price to go through a, a Thursday all day, Friday all day, Saturday all day training to, to go through all this stuff. And so we're excited to kind of launch this ministry and today to describe it to you. And we think the best way to describe it is not just describe what it is, but for you to hear testimonies of people. So you're going to hear about 10-ish testimonies this morning of people who have gone through this ministry, but what I'm most excited about is that the Lord's raising up leaders. Like, he's raising up leaders who say, we are called by God to do this ministry. We want to do it in the context of the church. We, I mean, when a pastor, when somebody shows up and says, like, we want to help you, you're like, oh, thank you. Like, you want to help? Oh, this is amazing. So, I want to invite Jennifer Rosenbaum and Courtney Waugh up. They are uh, leading this ministry, and so they're going to share with you their own story and kind of the process of that, and then we're going to have a string of testimonies that I think are really going to uh, crack open your heart to what the Holy Spirit's doing. So, I don't know who's going first. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we are so excited to share with you um, what God has been doing in us and through us. And um, I just feel so blessed to be a part of this church who's willing to say yes to inner healing, who doesn't want to just stick with status quo, but actually wants to like pursue the Holy Spirit in fullness. And so I'm going to share my story, and then we'll kind of share with um, the, what Sozo is. And for as long as I can remember, I've struggled with anxiety. I struggled um, as a little girl thinking something terrible might happen to me or to my family. And this continued throughout my entire life. And then when I got older and had kids, it started escalating. And on my worst days, um, anxiety was a beast that I could not conquer. And on my best days, it was a gnat that just continued to buzz in my ear. It was always there. So I coped with it the best I knew how. I prayed. I was a good church girl. I prayed. I memorized scripture, and I looked at the birds of the air. And sometimes it would go away for an hour if I was lucky, maybe a day. And then it would come back full force. And I would beat myself up thinking, like, if only I had enough faith, this would go away. I was the problem. And I was exhausted. About three years ago, I admitted that this was no longer working. And I felt so deep down that there must be a better way to live because if God promised freedom, then either he was a liar 
or maybe I wasn't understanding the path to freedom. Since I thought my anxiety came from a lack of faith and I could not believe enough for it to go away, I labeled myself as a doubter. The problem with that is I took on a label that I gave myself and I rejected the label that God gave me, which is a child of his who's fully seen, fully loved, fully known. Little did I know, all of this came from how I was taught about God during childhood. Not by my parents, but by ministers and books that I read. I thought God's eyes focused on my failures and that I was so full of sin that he really couldn't even look at me. I was disgusting to him unless he looked through the blood of Jesus first. So I was a disappointment and I could never please him. And so it felt awfully risky to pray to a God that didn't like me and a God that I didn't trust. In my heart, he was angry, fickle, like Old Testament, New Testament, which one, which one am I going to get today? Annoyed. And I was faithless and unworthy and anxious and a doubter. Since these old clothes were given to me during childhood, I wore them like an old shoe. It was my identity. I didn't even know I had it on. And I would pray and I would beg tirelessly, like, please take this anxiety away. But the weeds of anxiety and doubts just popped up again and again because I never addressed the root of the problem, which God was unkind and my worth was tied to my ability to be good enough. So through a sozo or a guided prayer, I did something different. I asked God directly to tell me what lies I believed about him and what lies I believed about myself. And I asked him to gently remind me who taught me those lies and I forgave them. And then I asked him for the truth and for the first time I heard his voice and he whispered it to me. And I believed him. And for the first time in my life, a weed was pulled. And once I tasted freedom, I thought, oh, by golly, if freedom's to be had, then I want it all. So I kept digging and digging. And as a result, my anxiety became smaller and smaller, and my God became bigger and bigger. And ultimately, my doubt was derailed because it could no longer stand in the presence of my newfound Lord. And so today, for the most part, I can say I am set free from anxiety. And I truly do believe in a God who is not far off and in heaven looking down on me, but a God who is right here, who's kind and trustworthy and loves me. And I believe that I am actually worthy of his grace. And this new identity that God gave me changed everything. I no longer gave or served out of obligation or fear, but I did so from a place of overflowing. It seems like a lot of churches spend time talking about sin or behavior modification, but perhaps the reason sin management doesn't really work is because Jesus didn't seem too concerned about it in the first place. In fact, he says, for freedom, I've set you free. I don't think Jesus gave his life so that we can sin a little less or cope with anxiety a little bit better, but I think he wants us to experience like freedom, like full freedom on earth as it is in heaven. And as he says, it is the truth that sets us free. But truth can only be obtained and freedom can only be attained if the truth of who God says he is and the truth of who we are, like our core identity, can move out of scripture and transform our mind and then land deep into our being. And when we get this right, we then have the ability to actually take every thought captive. And this is so important because we need to know deep down that God is love, and we are loved by God. 
so that when a lie comes our way and we start feeling shame or doubt or worthless or we start spiraling into old behaviors, we can stop and say, no, this isn't right because I know God's voice and that's not what it sounds like. And so in that moment, we can regain our power. We can isolate that one little thought so it doesn't become habitual thinking. And we can reject the lie, hold on to the truth, and then it actually does transform us. And the more and more we do this, the easier and easier it gets. Because we know that we are actually not our thoughts. And our thoughts do not get to control us. Actually, we get to control our thoughts by submitting them to the blood of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we lack the capacity to actually hold on to the truth because the lies are already consuming the space where the, um, where the truth should settle. So no matter how many times we read scripture or pray or sing a song, it doesn't actually sink in because a lie is already there crowding it out. Much like the parable of the sower, imagine truth is every seed that is tossed. Sometimes it is thrown onto fertile ground and it flourishes and it grows and it's beautiful and you see someone walking in their identity. And then sometimes it's thrown on a ground where lies and wounds have already choked it out. So it cannot stay. And most of our deepest lies and wounds happen to us during childhood. We know that identity is formed during childhood. And it doesn't actually matter if a lie came from um, something horrible, like an abusive parent or being sexually abused. Or maybe it just came from like a bully on the playground and you felt left out and unseen or unworthy. And so now you have FOMO. What we do know is a lie is a lie and a wound is a wound. And the enemy will use anything he can to prevent us from living in the truth. So what matters is answering the question, um, what is it costing me to hold on to this lie or this unforgiveness or um, what weed is popping up kind of as a symptom? Um, so if that symptom is sin or anxiety or jealousy or anything um, and it's just not going away, I feel like it's really important for us to pause and ask, why is that there in the first place. So that is actually what we do in these sessions. So sozo is the Greek word for saved, healed, delivered. Um, and it's about the full package of healing, not just our bodies, it's our minds, our spirit, all of it, all of it. So we offer a time of guided, intentional, uninterrupted prayer where we approach God with freedom and with confidence that he gave us. <laughs> So we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us to times when a lie took root in our life and the way in which we agreed with that lie. So we address that head on and we ask God himself to reveal um, any lie that we believe about him or about ourselves that he never spoke. We just kind of maybe either learned along the way or somebody spoke over us. And um, we ask him to reveal anything that's kind of preventing us from experiencing the fullness of the freedom because we are called into, like Courtney said, the full freedom and we just aren't 
I guess we just don't realize that that's available. I know in my life, it was shocking to realize that that is available to me. So, um, and that is honestly truly transformative. Like when God speaks something to you, there is nothing like that in the world. Um, that cannot be refuted. So that restores and confirms and encourages you in a way like nothing else in the world can. And so we either have never learned or we never realized or we forgot somewhere along the way that that is available if we ask. So, okay, so just to be clear, um, sozo is not the thing that sets us free. Jesus is the one who sets us free. So um, we're not claiming this is going to like, you know, get rid of every problem or that, um, you know, what we're saying, the thing is that transforms your life is when you can truly from your heart say, God loves me unconditionally. Nothing will ever change that. I'm, I get to live in freedom because of that. That it's the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of me. It's not sin. That's an outward attack from the enemy. But it's the Holy Spirit who's dwelling inside of us. That forgiveness, I think forgiveness is so hard. Um, I know I believed that I was giving my power away somehow when I was forgiving people. Um, and God showed me, like, forgiveness is the biggest gift I can give to myself. And that is when we no longer live in defeat. That is when we can live in peace and security. So for me, I'd like to share how this just kind of impacted my life. So a few years ago, uh, God started me down a path towards just this healing of my soul. So before this journey began, I felt like I was kind of fighting a battle with my hands tied behind my back against all of that, all the wounds and lies that were spoken over me or that I believed. Um, I daily would say that I experienced, like so many of us, like shame, bitterness, unforgiveness, um, a lot of fear. And I think that a lot of that fear came from um, just feeling as though I was dictated by what other people thought of me. And my worth was kind of dependent on that. And that not only was I not good enough, um, I had to sort of muster up my own worth and my own faith and my own goodness. That is exhausting. That's an exhausting way to live. And I, I think I also believed, um, and it could have been the church I was raised in, or, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to determine where these things come from sometimes, but we know the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so um, I just believed that God maybe didn't have a lot to say to me, that his distance was sort of part of just the gig of, of church life, and that I was the one who was in charge of it. So I had to do the healing on my own, and then come to God, if that makes sense. Um, and being alone, that is the scariest feeling. It's the most desolate feeling. So ultimately, I lived without that knowledge that I'm unconditionally loved. And so um, it was really a true shock to my soul um, when I realized that God wanted to have the kind of communion with me where he spoke 
directly to me. And he wanted to speak to the lies very specifically, like laser. He wanted to speak directly to those things and speak the truth instead of them. Um, I for, we forget so much of the time that we, we are... Um, God calls us into the kind of communion where when he says, ask and you'll receive, he's not joking. <laughs> That's not a pithy saying. He wants to give us all of the freedom and goodness. Um, forgiveness is a big part of sozo. So, like I said before, forgiving others um, and myself, it's the biggest gift you can give to yourself. So I got to see his goodness firsthand, his nearness firsthand, and God poured out healing in his most insecure places. So my identity, because of that, it's like your identity, because all of these things are an attack on your identity, when God speaks the truth to you, your identity becomes unshakable. So basically, if anything comes, like Courtney was saying earlier, if anything comes up against um, the truth that God spoke over me, if a lie pops up, and I've asked God, like, reveal to me quickly when I'm believing a lie, I can replace it with the truth quickly. And so it's become a lifestyle of transforming our thinking, making new mental pathways where we go there instead of believing that lie. So these days, I can honestly say that I'm living um, imperfectly. It's always going to be a journey, but I am living out of security and love and faith, and um, I know his voice. I can hear his voice, and it's a good voice. And I know if anything comes against that that's not a good voice, instant, nope, that's a lie. I can reject it. So I'm getting to experience that full package of the gospel, and everyone here is invited into that that you get to experience the package, the full, full package of the gospel. So if no matter what it is that you are struggling with, so it can be huge things, big traumatic events, or FOMO, um, or anxiety, uh, there is hope in a good father that has said that we may suffer for a little while, and then he himself will restore us. So um, I just want to end our part with this just blessing from Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. So I keep asking, oh, and this is kind of what we feel we're hoping kind of encapsulates like what Sozo is um, and our heart behind it. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So now a few, just a handful of people are going to come up and speak and give more of an account of how this has impacted them. Good morning, everybody. Um, so just a, a few testimonies here. Um, I did not need emotional healing when I went through Sozo. Um, I was a counselor, and uh, I already knew all of the fixes to all of the problems, 
And as we all know, all counselors are completely and emotionally healthy. Um, and I, of all people, did not need to do this kind of work. Um, and as is often the case, God had different plans. But not too long after I had no interest in being helped, while making it my profession to help others, I found my place, uh, myself in a place desperate for help. I, like many of you, like Jonathan, heard of Sozo and thought uh, the name Sozo completely turns me off and threw me down this you know, typical rabbit hole of cynicism of some church program. I signed up with some hesitation, uh, not knowing what I was getting into, not knowing that I would hear God's voice so clearly, not knowing that I would understand for the first time, like really grasp for the first time, that I am worth everything he has to offer. This process allowed me to see not only that he already knew me, but that he wants me to embrace being fully known and fully seen. Sozo has been just one of the tools over the last three years God has used to remind me of who I am and how he sees me, to show me that pride is solely a defense mechanism to avoid pain and ultimately freedom, and to remind me that when I try to avoid the things that I know keep me from seeing and knowing God fully, he is there always waiting patiently with open arms. I'm Mallory. My heart's kind of beating really fast if you hear my voice. Um, over the last year or so, the Lord has been leading me through a process of tearing down this old self that I had really spent my whole life building through um, accomplishments, status, occupation, looks, relationships, um, popularity, all of it. Um, it's been painful, but it's been really good. Um, and lately, I'm just really eager to do anything if it means stepping into more of that and more of my true identity and knowing the Father, knowing Holy Spirit, and knowing Jesus more. And that's why I signed up to do Sozo with Courtney and Jen. For me, Sozo was gentle, restful, and encouraging. So, this one's by. Courtney and Jen guided me through intentional conversation with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit revealed to me that my deepest security has not actually been in Jesus. It's been in Mallory that I've spent so many years curating. But he wasn't mad about it, and he wasn't disappointed in me, and he, he was kind, and he was excited about our future together. And he wanted to free me from myself and give me a new name. I felt like the Lord told me that he has a name for me that represents who I really am. And only he knows it. And if I listen for that name and answer to that name alone, I'll always be safe. It was so freeing. Afterwards, I felt so excited about how God never stops doing new things in us. He's good, and he uses his children to help one another um, find freedom and draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith, like it says in Hebrews, through ministries like Sozo. And the scripture that I just felt like was just totally my heart song in this was um, Ezekiel 37 and it says um, God 
The Spirit of the Lord set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very, very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. So that's how I feel. I just feel alive and I feel like he's continuing to bring my bones more and more to life. And I'm so thankful. So. so for about the last six or seven years, I've struggled really bad with like fear, insecurity and anxiety and I know for those of you that know me well, that's probably very surprising because I hide it so well. Um, I don't hide it very well, yeah. Um, but for me, life took a lot of painful and difficult turns, and uh, I just lost a lot of myself along the way. I got to a point of feeling just completely worthless and hopeless. I believed so many lies about myself and my worth and my identity, and those things eventually became so ingrained in me that they became part of me. Then they became all of me. And I couldn't differentiate truth from the lies about myself. The lies that I believe about worthlessness was who I became. I was worthless. It wasn't a struggle. It was a reality. And it's been a long, difficult journey of fighting through those things pretty much all the time. And I wanted so badly to be better. Like, I wanted it so much. But I became more discouraged the longer I struggled, the longer I fought, and never seeing any victory to the point of total hopelessness. I've been surrounded by many people here that have loved me and tried to encourage me and they've walked along with me on this journey and tried to support me along the way and they'd speak truth over me and they'd tell me I was loved and they'd tell me I was valuable and I'd want to believe it, I'd want to take it in, but no matter how hard I tried, I was never able to. The reason I was never able to is because those things didn't have room to grow. I would try to plant those in, but the lies were so overgrown that it would crush out any of the truth. And not only was I believing lies about myself, I realized I was believing so many lies about God as well. Like I knew in my head that he was good, and he was kind, and he was faithful, and all the things we read about in the Bible, but I didn't actually see those in my life because I was so focused on pain or anxiety or life circumstances that I didn't actually believe it to be true. And so for me, Sozo gave me an opportunity to just spend some time with the Lord in a way that let me hear his words about who I really am, who he says that I am. And more importantly for me, it began to remind me of who he really is. It showed me his kindness and his gentleness and his comfort. It was a time in his presence and listening to him as we worked through some of those identity lies and wounds. And I didn't have to fight or struggle for it there. I just listened as he began to heal those things that I had tried for so long to heal on my own. Because you can want to believe something so badly and still not believe it when somebody tells you it's true. But I can tell you this, when you're in the presence of God and you truly know who he is, you can know without question that what he says is absolute truth. So like Courtney said, the majority of our lies and wounds that we believe and receive begin in our childhood. 
There are, th there are things that started small, like an ugly word um, from a friend or family member or a painful experience, etc. But the good news is that these tools are things that we can, um, that we can do with our children. Um, we can head these lies from the enemy off before they take root and allow Jesus to come in and heal them as soon as they happen, instead of waiting till we're grown um, and the wounds have festered and grown themselves. So, with her permission, um, I want to share my story, um, my seven-year-old daughter's story. Um, she was in a hard situation with a friend who had hurt her and been mean to her. So one day I let her know that Jesus doesn't want us to have to carry all those yucky feelings and that that's actually the reason that he died was to take away all of that. Um, so we talked um, about forgiveness and then I walked her through forgiving her friend for hurting her feelings and for hurting her body. Um, and then afterwards we even spoke a whole bunch of blessing over her friend and it was so beautiful. We asked Jesus if he had a container to put all those yucky feelings in and um, so that she wouldn't have to carry them any longer and wouldn't have to hold on to those. So she closed her eyes and she waited to see what he would give her. Um, after a few moments, she opened her eyes and said, he gave me a piggy bank. I was like, that's awesome. Um, so then we put all those yucky feelings in that piggy bank and sealed it up and we gave it to Jesus. And we asked Jesus what he wanted to do with that piggy bank. So she closed her eyes again and waited. And after a few moments, her eyes flew open again. And she said, he threw it into the sea. And a whale came and ate it all up. And it's gone forever. And I was like, that's amazing. Um, so she was so excited. Um, and we asked Jesus um, if he wanted to give her something in exchange for all of those yucky feelings. And so... Um, we asked Jesus again, and this time he gave her all of the stars in the sky, but they were in the shape of hearts. And a million stars, um, or a, a, a sky filled with a million hearts. And she said, whoa, mom, that is so much love. And she just sat there for a few minutes. Afterwards, she kept saying, mom, we can just do this anytime someone hurts me. And she's exactly right. Um, even when these types of things happen again, and they absolutely will. She was so excited to know that we can just walk through forgiveness and that we can give it to Jesus, and he is so happy to take that from her. It was so beautiful to facilitate a conversation with my little girl and Jesus. He was speaking to her, not me. She was encountering him, and I was just introducing them and showing her how. She's learning, even at seven years old, how to listen to him, how to talk to him, and that he can rescue and heal and restore. I'm Annie, and this is Lena. And um, similarly, I went to the children's Sozo training several months ago. And sometime after that, we'd been out kind of all day, and um, we'd gotten home, and I just noticed that Lena seemed kind of sad and a little off. And um, it was bedtime, and I got some time with her just to talk and see what was happening. And she shared with me that uh, another kid had said something that hurt her feelings. And she um, was feeling pretty sad because of those words. And so I think in the past, before I felt equipped to lead them into God's presence and to take that to the Father, I would have tried to say something that would help, um, maybe like 
you know, they didn't mean to hurt your feelings. They love you. That's not true about you. I don't think that about you. Um, but what I've found when my own heart's hurting and when my kids' hearts are hurting, a lot of times logic and words don't really get to the source. Um, so hearing from God directly is so much more powerful to heal the wounds and correct lies that we've believed about ourselves than to tell myself something that I know is true at a head level, but I haven't internalized and believed at a heart level. So I led Lena through a prayer of forgiveness. She got to talk to God and forgive the kid who hurt her feelings. And I think that's important. We've talked a lot about forgiveness, but um, what I talked about with Lena is that forgiveness is something that's between her and God. And um, she might never get an apology from a friend who's hurt her, but she can forgive them and allow Jesus to hold on to the debt because he's the rightful owner of all debts. He's already paid the price for them. Um, so once she'd forgiven, I led her through a prayer to identify the lie she was believing because of the words that were spoken to her. And then Lena got to ask God what is true about her. Um, so Lena, what did God tell you? That I was lovely, beautiful, kind, loyal, specially loved, and perfectly made. So, so how did you feel before, before we got to pray and talk to God about that? Sad because somebody had hurt my feelings. And what did you think about praying and talking to God and doing forgiveness like that? It helped me forgive the person who had hurt me and not feel so sad. And how did God speak to you? I saw the words appear in my mind like Miss Chelsea had taught us. And afterwards, how did you feel and what did we do with those words? I felt happy and peaceful and we wrote them on my mirror. So you could be reminded of what God says the truth is about you. Amen. Um, I want to invite the band to come back up. And I just love, I love the stories. I love the key, I think, and one of the reasons why we so value now being in the presence of God and asking him to show up is because like they said, there is this massive difference between me telling you God loves you and God telling you God loves you. It's just one, you're like, you're a pastor. I don't even believe pastors anymore when they say that stuff. You know, you're like, but when the Holy Spirit shows up and just speaks directly to you, it changes everything. And that's what we want. We want people in this church to encounter Jesus. Not just encounter great preachers or great music or anything like that. We want you to come face to face with him. And here's what I love. I was thinking about this this morning, but whenever anyone when jesus walked the earth in flesh and blood whenever anyone got into his presence this hope got ignited that their life could change the woman with the bleeding problem was like this might stop if i could just touch the hem of his garment the guy whose daughter was sick travels across the country just to get near jesus to be like will you come because if your presence enters the room where she's at she might get healed Right? Guy's got a, a, a demon-possessed child. I just got to get this person near to Jesus. The friends who, their friend was sick, they're like, rip open the thatch of the, hoop, of the roof, and they drop him. They're like, if we can just get him near Jesus, our goal at this church, our only goal for you is for you to get near Jesus. That's it. 
Because if you just get near to him, if you can hear his voice, if you can meet him, so much about what we struggle with can get changed. And some of it could happen like that in his presence. We need to believe that again. I feel like we've pushed off like radical instantaneous healing. Well, that doesn't happen. You need to, sometimes you get healed right away, but sometimes Jesus was like, hey, go back and see the priest. Sometimes he gave them, he's like, rub some mud on your eye. Sometimes he gave them things to participate in, even though he was going to heal them. So these tools we have, they're just ways for you to participate. They're ways for Jesus is sparking hope in your life that you're like, man, this attitude, this word, this thing that happened to me, maybe after hearing stories this morning here about soul care, maybe you're like, I don't have to actually live that way. I'm not destined to a life of just living under all this junk, and someday when I go to heaven, I get healed, you know? And so this morning, I hope it sparked hope, and if it did, um, I'd love for you to just, like, make the start today. So I want you to stand your feet. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to have our, our prayer team's going to be down front. Um, if you need prayer this morning for anything, um, please come and just be prayed for. We're just going to sing, and then um, we're going to be dismissed. So I just want to thank you, Lord, for the stories this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive and working right now. <laughs> and if we're alive, we can have hope because you're alive. And so as long as we're alive, Jesus, we can hope in you for transformation, even if we've waited years. God, I just pray for people in this room right now that they just feel like they've waited years and years and years and they've given up hope that this morning, maybe there's hope. And so, Lord, I pray for courage. I pray for boldness. I pray faith that you would renew faith in us that we can come and ask of you. So we love you. We thank you for healing Jesus. We thank you that you're trustworthy, even in the midst where we just feel like we're not getting healed and we're struggling, that you promise to be with us, even in the struggles. We love you. We worship you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's teaching at Skyline OKC. Again, here at Skyline, we are a worshiping community, a disciple-making community, and a generational community. So if you would like any more information on that, please go to our website at skylineokc.com.